Dear Curious Listener, I've always found the origin of words fascinating. Did you know the word circus is a Roman word derived from the Greek word kirkos, which simply means circle, referring to the shape of the amphitheatres and tents that circuses usually resided in. Often we don't investigate or question where many things get their name from. Because I guess, what does it matter where a circus got its name from? You usually don't attend such fanfares to debate linguistics. Close your eyes and picture a circus in your head. You've just walked in. The smell of popcorn fills the air and you can still feel the humidity after a hot summer's day, lingering. Look straight. What do you see? If I said the room was a rectangular hall, likelihood is that's not what you pictured. As meaningless as words seem, they are the fabric of what allows us, as a species, to connect and communicate. Now, I don't believe that words can never evolve, and neither should you. However, I do think arguments can often stem from manipulation and distortion of words and their meaning. The word gender these days seems to evoke arguments and strong emotions. Gender is one of those words within our society that when uttered, comes with an assumed opinion or side. The word gender derives from genre, a French word meaning type or sort. You would often use the word genre when discussing things like film or music. Within these categories, the nature of the genre adapts. Over time, genre changes, as new people bring new meanings. Gender, at its very crux, is a concept. Listener, I'm intrigued by the concept of gender, how it has evolved and how it has divided so many people. I'm especially interested in those who believe gender is just a form of expression and nothing more. How they balance gender, the word, and gender, the concept. I'm curious as to my own gender. Am I who I am because that's how I truly believe to be? Or am I a product of society and the innate desire to conform? How much of me is truly me? Is there more to explore? In the last 10 years, there have been so many pieces of shrapnel that have come cascading off the bomb, which is the discussion around gender. Gender reveal parties, drag, boys wearing skirts to school as a form of protest, androgyny, misogyny, transgender femicide. There's a lot to unpack, and I'm not the expert nor fully qualified to speak on these topics. So I spoke to some people who were within the scene in educating those on gender and others who were heavily involved in the discussion. I reached out to the individuals who actively seek to dismantle the idea that your gender can reflect anything other than your biological sex assigned at birth. But first, I'm Lucy Webb, and this is Dear Curious Listener. Anne is a drag performer from Dundee. There we go. Oh yeah, God, because that was so good. She identifies as non-binary trans femme. And it was not, it's so nice to see her again because I've not seen her in fucking ages. I came across Anne on social media after a mutual friend of ours posted her on her story. Um, and then it was wild. Then it was literally like the next week you messaged me and we're like, I know Jenny, do you want to do this? And I was like, yes, because I have so much to say about the topic. It's something I talk about all the fucking time. Oh, good. I find it, <clears throat> I find it so interesting. And then... 
it's this grapple in my head of like I know fine well that I'm a like cis woman and uh-huh. um it's just such an interesting topic but mm-hmm. I know that it's also something people are really scared about talking about really openly well there is there's a lot of trans there's well there's not a lot of trans people but trans people that have platforms I feel are like a lot better at talking about it but it's very much something that people only broach the subject of I'd say in the last like three four years because it basically took transphobia in the mainstream becoming enough of a notable issue to the straight people for wait no my brain's trying to struggle to versus I want a voice as well but I'm trying to (laughs) think of the words in my brain I've just had a very long retail therapy session in TK Maxx and I feel like my brain is like still recovering from those fluorescent lights I reached out to Anne for this episode because I wanted to hear from somebody who had first-hand experience questioning their own gender I was curious but I needed to learn so transphobia had to be seen as a bigger issue than homophobia in order for people like just general transphobia from straight people in order for people to give a shit about transphobia from queer people themselves it's very similar to misogyny from gay men where to whether like trans misogyny and general misogyny from gay men where people had to realize that it was a more pressing issue than homophobia for it to be taken seriously because white gay men would basically be like oh everyone's so homophobic homophobia is awful homophobia is awful and then trans people uh, trans people particularly trans people of color were like we're being murdered in the streets and there's not even a funeral for us we have friends and family who disappear and are found strangled in a hotel room like a few weeks later and like no one cares gay people whilst gay people in foreign countries and um gay POC face a lot of issues white gay men do not and it turns out that white gay men are actually perpetuating a lot of harm more than name calling on the street which they seem to think of as a more pressing issue like you don't want it to be like oppression olympics but it kind of has to be um in order for trans people's issues to be taken seriously Anne had a lot to say on the topic she was extremely passionate about gender and the trans community we spoke for an hour and she made some very articulate arguments about gender conceptualization. But before all that, she had to realize she was on a podcast. First of all, just for the episode, how about you introduce yourself and exactly oh, how you identify? It is, yeah. Oh shit. No, I didn't realize this was a podcast. I thought this was a <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was an interview. I feel that's I'm sorry, that was a fucking nightmare. No, oh my god, no, like... no, don't be daft. No, I literally have just said so much because I was like, this is loads of really good information. Okay, that changes no, it is. things. I thought it was a, like a uni dissertation. I did one the other month about... Right. Um, What was it? It was about the lingerie industry for trans people. And I was in that mindset of where I was like, oh, I'm just going to like, I'm giving you information. You'll be like transcripting it. But that's changed how I'm going to like arrange my thoughts. That's fine. Cool. Don't worry about it. Hello, my name is Anne Spank. Um I identify as a non-binary non-binary trans femme person. Um and I use she they pronouns. I am a drag artist based in Dundee, Scotland, but I do perform throughout Scotland. Haven't since COVID, but generally I do. Um and I'm trying to think of anything else that I could use to I host a weekly show in Dundee, um a weekly drag bingo show 
Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's on my seat, drag CV that I could promote. No, I guess that's <laughs> generally me. Um, I produce content across all social media platforms. There you go. So for anyone who is quite curious, how could you best describe your identity? So f- say you were explaining to anyone who had no clue about trans community, non-binary community, mm-hmm. how would you explain non-binary trans femme? So my gender journey kind of when I obviously was assigned like do you assign male at birth and then identified as a cis man for most of my life came out as non-binary um, and was using they them pronouns for a while before realizing that I was a trans woman was using the label trans woman um I was always kind of um I would say I've always been non-binary I just didn't know you could be trans and non-binary um and then I'd seen a drag artist, Scottish drag artist called Scara Wood, who's incredibly talented, had posted something one day and um, basically being like, I'm, um, my trans femme identity is non-binary because I, whilst I aspire to a level of femininity, the traditional concept of what a woman is doesn't fit my identity. I aspire to femininity, but I don't, necessarily aspire to the concept of womanhood as it exists generally so I'm non-binary and then I've seen the word trans femme more often and I was like well I agree with that the person I am day to day I don't aspire to be what would be considered a traditional woman um I do feel like I just want to be more feminine and in my transition I'm just aspiring to be more feminine rather than aspiring to be a cis woman I don't want to be oh I'm not Anne and I want to be a cis woman I'm just Anne and I want to be me so non-binary trans femme is like aspiring to be trans transition to be more feminine but identifying my femininity in a non-binary way I don't know if that makes sense that's like so <laughs> much like modern gender verbiage but it's like gender is so <laughs> complex but that is basically my gender picture as it exists currently okay yeah, that definitely makes sense. It's funny the term like modern verbiage, and I think that's often like weaponized. But it's oh once yeah, it's, like when you were like this, you were like explain that to someone who doesn't know anything about gender. If I tried to do that with th- those words, I'd be like, so a bit girly, but also a bit <laughs> boy, and then something in the middle. But also, I do want to be a bit girly at the same time, but not the type of girly that you might imagine in your head. It's a different type of girly, but you still have to respect me as a woman. I really appreciated Anne's authenticity when talking about gender. I loved her ability to be able to laugh at it all, not take herself too seriously. Past all the modern verbiage, as she said, gender is something that we all own and identify with to some extent. Even if you don't think about it from day to day, I knew when researching this episode that I and many others could learn from somebody who had just possibly thought about gender a bit deeper. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I get that though. But I like as yeah. we can joke about the kind of modern verbiage. Oh, yeah. But I do think, you know, the way that you explained it and also just those terms on its own do mm-hmm. make sense, obviously, once they are explained unpacked. on that level. Yeah, yeah, unpacked, exactly. So as far as your journey for identity, have you mm-hmm. struggled with trying to find labels that fit you or boxes that you want to fit in and then have you have you struggled with boxes in general have you struggled with even wanting to be in a box well I don't I personally don't 
I wish I didn't have to be in a box. I wish I didn't have to use any labels, but in order to, I think labels are important in order to create community. Once you have a label, you have a community, um, which is something I'm so lucky to have. But if I didn't, if I was ever given those labels, I wouldn't have anyone. So it was very much a case of, I had no idea what I was. I just knew I was uncomfy. Um, I never really had it, like a lot of intense childhood dysphoria. It was always just, I felt uncomfy because there's always kind of like, tra- there, like my partner is trans as well. And she was like, a, oh, I'm a, like, is it graphic? No, she was like a child who would be like, I hate this and like point at their genitals and be like, I hate this, I hate this. I want to cut it off. Like the extreme end of the spectrum. Whereas right. I was always just like, mom, I don't want to wear these school clothes. Like school clothes were a nightmare. I had to get all my school clothes tailored because I didn't like wearing baggy trousers. And then it was very much a case of when I got older, I worked in Lush, which is the gateway drug to queerdom. (laughs) And I met lots of queer people and they were all like, gender expression was super normalized. They made it so normal and so comfy. And I remember being like, um, I saw that they then pronouns were a thing and I was like, I want to, I think I want to use they then pronouns. And they all just went, okay. And everyone started doing it. And they all did it all the time. And I was like, this is crazy. And I was like, that made me so much more comfortable. And then it was when I started drag that I found more comfortable. That was when I was like, Shh. I remember, distinctly remember getting in drag for the first time and going out and going, this is going to be a serious problem for me. I'm never going to want to take this off. And I remember getting out of drag for the first time and I was like, looked in the mirror and I had like a breakdown and I was like, I want to be in drag all the time. I don't want to ever be out of this. What do I do? And so I just did drag all the time. I was literally, every single time I went out, I'd be in drag, in drag constantly, 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 constantly. Still used my dead name, everything. And then I had a different name, which is Anne, obviously. Um, And I started introducing that into things. And then when people were calling me Anne, Anne, I was in drag. I was like, I want to be Anne all the time. I don't want to be anything else. Um, And I didn't really ever be like, I never really had a moment where I was like, I'm trans now. I just kind of mentally was like, I'm never going to not be this person that I am right now, but I just need to, it's going to be a long time before I can fit all the pieces together. It was a very long, I was never like one of these people who, when I'm going to start dressing as a woman now, it was like, okay, I can dress as a woman when I go out, but that's still drag. I, that's not the woman I want to be. But then I also need to have something something I can dress as day to day. And I can't change my name yet. There was so many bits. And it was just like a really long period of like three, four years where I started to slot everything into place. I had an identity I was comfortable with out of drag. I had a separate identity in drag. I got my name changed. I found what pronouns I was comfortable with. And it was just like, making all those bits fit until I was the most comfy. And then I was like, okay, I'm a trans woman. And then like I mentioned, I saw non-binary trans femme and I was like, oh yeah, let's break everything apart again. Let's mix it all up again and then do something else. And that's where I'm at now where I'm like, kind of like non-binary, but also still trans. And it's still such like a constant evolution of like finding more verbiage and more things about yourself that make you comfy just to try and make the most comfy outside you can because so much of it's about how you look and present like my insides are fine but I'm still just working to try and find which outside is the most comfy and I think that's what every trans person does I think that makes a lot of sense and I think it's it's interesting because I think 
so often trans people are put into this box of okay well you are trans you are oh definitely you're dealing with this idea and concept that none of us are dealing with but Mm-hmm. myself i i know that when i kind of came to understood okay like this whole time i definitely thought oh cool she's just like a straight woman this is exactly mm-hmm. who i am like perfect mm-hmm. that's just i'm i am the norm i am the mm-hmm. you know whatever percentage of people that don't deal with that and that makes sense and then mm-hmm. realizing that i think it was almost more daunting for a lot of people when you realize that sexuality but also gender is a spectrum in the sense of Mm -hmm. whatever you identify as the rest is just a reaction to society if that makes sense Uh uh-huh yeah definitely like I don't necessarily I know that I um feel most comfortable with she her pronouns and that Mm -hmm. that's really convenient for me because I know that Mm -hmm. I definitely um, most of the time look like and present like a stereotypical woman but I totally resonate with what you say of what now is the common um, I, I can't remember what the words you said was but the common definition of womanhood I don't I don't relate to that either and no. this, I, this idea of of gender now doesn't sit with me and it's it's this grapple between okay there isn't this weird quote-unquote other it's actually Mm -hmm. that we need to understand gender way more than what we've it's like it's like I said at the beginning it's like labels are a blessing and a curse because you get a label and you get a community but then it's also then there are the restrictions of that label like I was like trans women great I'm a trans woman and then you realize the mountain of expectation put on trans women to be like this idea of what a trans woman is you're like oh I'm free you can finally be a woman and they're like ah no but you're not woman enough and then you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to behave like this act like this talk like this um and that was like kind of what happened to me where I was like I'm a trans woman uncomfortable and then it was this big red light that was like you're not doing trans women right and then I was like okay maybe I'm not that And then it was like a shining gateway open that was like, here's a really general label that doesn't really have any restrictions. Let's do that instead. I think that people, there's a lot of young queer people do it where, or they're not anymore because there are so many um, terms and labels now, but at least when I was young, it was very much like, you're this, okay, that's me this now. And there wasn't, there just Mm -hmm. wasn't enough there weren't people didn't have enough words to describe how everyone was um but we're lucky obviously that we have that now and gender is every community is an umbrella and a spectrum you're trans but then under the trans umbrella there's no binary trans mask trans femme like trans men trans women like not every trans man is trans mask there are feminine trans men not every trans woman is trans femme there are masculine trans women like everything is expanding so much and it's so bad I'm so happy there are queer people who have the labels that I didn't have so going back to what you said about that pressure I really want to ask you about that pressure that you felt maybe Mm -hmm. when you were younger about not being trans um not being woman enough to be a trans woman Mm -hmm. where where Mm -hmm. do you think you said that you kind of had these this red light this pressure to be more feminine or or to fit this box where do you think where were those voices coming from? Was that within the community, out with the community, in your head? Um, 
I guess it comes from cis people, que- I more so straight, but also queer, because obviously when straight people think of a trans woman, if they're transphobic, then they think of some horrible, bearded, nasty creature trying to encroach on children and everything like that. They have this horrible concept of trans people. But I think a lot of people, when they think of a trans woman, they think of like Gigi Gorgeous and Laverne Cox and... Yeah. Um, like these hyper feminine, gorgeous glamazon women, and whilst their identity is totally valid, they don't represent all trans women. And I think there is a really intense feminine expectation on trans women it's, that is also pervaded by pervaded by the healthcare system um, to be this specific pathway. Um, and it's very much like you're on this pathway. I know so many trans people who force themselves onto that pathway just to be respected because they're scared to do anything else. But I've been lucky that I have found community, a community that is accepting enough of me to allow me to and support me to do something else. But I do think that there are a lot of people in the queer community and outside of the queer community, I think it is very split that put a lot of pressure on trans women to behave and be a certain way, to be palatable enough to them. Because when you don't fit their quiet or you don't fit their mental image of a trans woman, you're a divergent and that's either a threat to them or um, they don't respect it at all. Yeah, going on to that. So the LGBT plus community, um, mm-hmm. there is this divergence and, and the, other, um, the other end of the spectrum that um, exists on this concept which is people like the LGB Alliance or other groups like that. For those who don't know, the LGB Alliance is a British charity and organisation that fight for the rights of those who are lesbian, gay and bisexual. However, they exclude transgender people on that roster. They have a section on their website named The Reality of Biology. It states, we recognise that sex is binary female and male, and that for the vast majority of people, sex is determined at conception, observed at birth, and recorded. We reject the co-opting of rare medical differences in sexual development in order to cast doubt on the binary nature of sex. They don't want trans people as part of that community. And Mm -hmm. for me, I think that although sexuality and gender totally deserve to be acknowledged as different different identities and different mm-hmm. um concepts because i don't think it's healthy to to like you said earlier to kind of disguise all all discrimination as one and not yeah give the important um highlight onto especially trans it, people of color um, it's important to it's important to acknowledge differences when it refers to oppression who needs protection and the fact that we do all need different things from whether it's the healthcare system, yes. uh, the government, the community, whatever. Um, but acknowledging differences is very different than wanting separation. No one is at, like, queer, I'm, I ref, I'll refer to queer people separately from the LGB alliance because I don't feel that they, none of them, they don't like the word queer anyway. So I'll right. say the LGB alliance and queer people, but I'm not, I'm not disregarding that maybe some of them do identify as queer. Um, but queer people, want differences acknowledged in order to make sure everyone is getting what they need and make sure everyone is supported, acknowledged, respected and protected. The LGB alliance are acknowledging differences to divide and to separate and to push 
trans people down and away um and that's the, that's the, that's the key difference and that's the problem that acknowledging differences does have its importance but it depends why you're doing it and the lgb alliances acknowledging all the differences between us all in order to divide and separate and diminish people so their website specifically says that they do not wish to erase trans people or um inhibit them getting their rights I want to hear what your response is to that in the sense of, so in my opinion, what the LGBT plus community and the queer community, the reason that gender and sexuality is lumped into one, and again, this is just Mm -hmm. my opinion, is a community born out of um, discrimination and born out Mm -hmm. of exile. They also, their their whole, the whole thing you've just said that they said, also completely disregards the existence of queer trans people because yes, sexuality and gender are different, but I'm a queer trans woman. My sexuality absolutely links with my gender. My identity as a bisexual trans woman is completely linked to my gender and how I express it because it adds a whole other layer to my life as a trans person because the experience of um a trans woman aspiring for cis passing femininity who is also heterosexual she's going to have a completely different experience as a trans person and a member of the queer community as i am as a queer trans woman um so they they can say like oh gender and sexuality should be separate yeah, they are different things but they're completely linked. For, for the yeah. LGBT alliance, they might not be linked, but the reality is, is that they are, and they exist together in the spectrum for that reason, on top of, like you said, trans people and cis queer people's community was brought out of fighting for our rights, and it was trans people at the front of that because trans people of colour were the most vulnerable, but they also had the most motive to fight for their lives yeah um, so these people the lgb lions they can say oh we don't want to disregard trans people but that's face value because if you go on their tweets and their threads and their uh discussions and their panels there's steeped in transphobia and when there are people being transphobic they don't go oh no 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 we don't want that. It's encouraged and it's just discussed. If their message really was, we don't want to disregard trans people, then they would put their foot down when people do that, but they don't. They don't believe that if someone identifies as gay, they can be attracted to trans people. So their whole organisation, the LGB Alliance, is for cis lesbians, cis gay men and cis bisexual men but it's all it's solely for oh, it's, there's whole it's my brain is literally breaking trying to like undo all my <laughs> I'm like here's modern verbiage and I'm like let me go back to the stone age they only <laughs> uh promote value and respect cis gay cis gay cis lesbian and cis bisexual people who are also solely attracted to other cis people because they don't feel that you can identify as um, any of those things apart from maybe by 
if you're attracted to trans people. They say they don't want trans people to not exist, but our transness isn't allowed to exist, apparently. Um, Within anything they acknowledge. Yeah. Their big whole recent thing has been Chio Gomez. Do they use the last name Gomez still? Prince Chio is their drag king persona. They um, are running, they are a trans man from London and they are currently running and they're in the finals for Mr. Gay England. Um, And the LGB Lions has had an absolute conniption about this because they do not believe that um, gay men would be attracted to trans men. So they are saying that Chio is a woman and that Chio is trying to um, erase homosexuality and that Chio is a homophobe because he is a gay trans man. So that's that. I'm just breaking down the yeah multifaceted bullshit of everything <laughs> that they say because there's so much. They there's like transphobia as it exists as an umbrella where there are so many different kinds of transphobia. And they hit every single one like it's a fucking bingo card. Like they've got the full house. So it's like, which one do you even go into first to unpack how their organization, which claims to not want to erase trans people, does exactly that in every single way possible? Because they, I would like to say that they are a very, 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 very extreme end of the spectrum. Yeah, they are. And they're not representative of lesbian, gay or bisexual people as they exist in the general community. That was the, we're going in the most extreme and then we'll go down to generally in yeah. the community. So that's definitely the most extreme, but I'd love to hear what is your experience, even if it is what singular experiences and, and collectively have you had within the LGBTQ community um, as somebody who has come out to identify um, as non-binary trans? Well, I guess doing drag makes things very interesting because trans, so there's trans, I would say there's transphobia and there's transmisogyny. Transmisogyny is transphobic, but it's different. So transmisogyny is misogyny directly affecting me as a trans woman. So there are specific things that are, obviously I experience misogyny, misogyny the same as the cis women, which is bigotry based on the fact I am a woman. And then transmisogyny is misogyny and bigotry based on the fact I am a trans woman specifically about me being a trans woman um and so I think in the LGBTQ plus community I experience misogyny from gay men which is purely because I identify as a femme aligning or a woman um and then trans misogyny is the layer under that where it is bigotry experience as a trans woman specifically which is oftentimes very similar to um cis women in the scene but is sometimes different which I think a lot of that is like I said earlier expectation to be a certain way because I'm a trans woman um I don't think I've experienced a lot of trans misogyny from queer people it's mainly just been misogyny um, where um, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it because it's so general. I wonder if it's, do you think, and I'm just asking, it's just a general question. Do you think it's uh, 
an expression of the patriarchy within the LGBT community. Oh, it's definitely, it's definitely something I have never experienced anything from. I haven't experienced much from women in queer women. So you think it's patriarchal yeah. from gay oh, men? It's, it's a, all, all, everything I personally have experienced has been misogyny or ignorance perpetuated by large scale, but also slightly um, cis gay men and some trans gay men. Um, where it's just misogyny, it's women not being listened to, not being respected, being gaslighted, being talked over. And being expected to go to go above and beyond in order to be valued and respected the same in the drag scene specifically, femme aligning or trans femme or trans women or women, cis, any time of femme, any form of femme aligning person or anyone who's a non-cis gay man, that's better, um, has an expectation placed on them to do so much more, say so, so much more. Um, in order to get so much less and I think that has been largely my representative experience as far as the queer scene goes is being expected to go above and beyond but then also being expected to um, be meek and be mild and not be outspoken like I've had I remember early on in my drag career I felt that I was being typecast as this raving lunatic woman the hysterical woman because I put my foot down about bigotry and ignorance and things that shouldn't have been happening. And I think that a lot of trans women get that too, because trans women are oftentimes the ones to speak out about stuff. And it's very, very easy for an internally misogynistic cis gay man to gaslight a trans woman as hysterical. And it's that I definitely feel that that's something I've experienced a lot where I've started to question if I am being hysterical purely because the men around me have acted like things that are bang out of order are a non-issue. And I think that gay men do that a lot. They um, all circle in tight and cover for each other and they all go, no, no, she's being crazy, she's being crazy. And then it leaves the trans women out on her own um, made to look like the hysterical town women whilst they all cover for each other and I think that there are a lot of trans women who do feel isolated in the queer scene because gay men rule the roost like cis lesbians and cis gay men particularly the white lesbians and white cis gay men rule the roost in the queer scene oftentimes and it can be very isolating being the only trans person in a space full of cis people um it's so interesting to hear every layer of prejudice and um d treatment and and mm -hmm. all these eyes on you and all these expectations mm -hmm. of how you must present if you're going to say if you're going to say this then um you know like step up and you have to be this mm -hmm. feminine or whatever all that mm -hmm. and then to have to like navigate your own like sexuality and navigate your own relationships and love and mm -hmm. all that I find I I I don't know how I would do that like I don't know how mm -hmm. I could even have the confidence often when there is so much pressure well that's why trans suicide rates are so high because it's fucking hard it's really hard and we the UK has such a rampant issue with transphobia it's gotten I never thought I would live to see it get worse okay let's check in for a second although these conversations are extremely important 
I do want to acknowledge that it can be triggering for some. If you're having suicidal thoughts or need to seek out resources to do with LGBT mental health, there are organisations such as LGBT Scotland and LGBT Switchboard. Oh, it's just really bad. It's so shit to think about, like... So let's have a moment of silence for that. Yeah. Um, it's very much just like transphobia in the UK is so deep rooted. It's so government protected. It's so politics and the NHS and the way that the gender system works in the NHS. It's all so entangled. Whereas sometimes in the US, it feels a lot more cookie cutter. You know what I mean? It, right. It's very much just like trans hate crime, transphobia as the concept. And then obviously they have private health care. So crowdfunding and stuff exists in for them. Exists here too. There are people who privately transition here, but they don't have the whole element of, they don't have a transphobic medical system as we do in the way that we have. We have the means for us to transition through the NHS, but it's so f- broken do you think with, in talking about the medical system, do you think the difference of the US and the UK is because the US, so I used to live in the States and the, the medical system baffles me. And mm-hmm. I've often found, and I think it's, com- I've just kind of thought of this now with you saying this, mm-hmm. with, with, the, with the access of private healthcare, because this healthcare system is funded by individuals and individual you know needs do you think Mm -hmm. the fact that there is more accessibility to gender clinics for example in the US is because it is privately funded and therefore the UK is an expression of a general public interest and if they don't care enough or you know if there is rampant transphobia in the UK which I agree with do you think that is then expressed in the funding for the UK healthcare system I I don't necessarily think America is more accessible because trans people don't generally have any fucking money. Trans people of colour don't have any fucking money. So it's not necessarily an issue of accessibility because obviously they have to try and have the money to do it. But it's that they don't... A transphobic healthcare system, obviously that is actually... But if you had the money... If you had the money, you'd be fine because you could just pay to transition. Not being able... People having to try and privately fund their transitions, that's transphobic. But because our political system and the and society in general in the UK is transphobic, that is then that is then shaped and um, expressed in our healthcare system. The way it exists through waiting lists, through invasive clinic appointments, through nurses and staff that don't have correct verbiage are transphobic the questioning the interviews everything the it's all broken and it's all transphobic i've recently just got onto the ladder after waiting three or four years to hear anything um and my initial interview was horrific the questioning and the lack of emotional care and the way your gender identity is thrown around and disregarded, even when you make the take the emotional labor, because it's emotional labor to explain it and your yeah. journey and everything is horrible. Being trans always seemed so unattainable and it was so demonized and so shut away as something that was bad that 
I didn't even know I could do it until I was like in almost in my 20s and was like oh this is something I can be but even at the point where I knew it was something I could be I don't think I'd ever even met a trans woman. I'd spoken to Anne for well over an hour. I felt like I'd learned a lot and surprisingly related to more things she said than expected. We'd spoken about groups that believed that gender was nothing more than a binary, mentioning the LGB alliance. My aim for this episode and the podcast in general was to approach every topic unbiased. For the purpose of the show was never to sway anybody's ideas or change anyone's opinion, but to facilitate honest conversation and bridge topics that people were scared to approach. Maybe the LGB Alliance just had a different take on gender. I wanted to hear their side, understand their take on gender, and really get to know what the LGB Alliance was about. I wanted them to have the same opportunity as Anne, to come onto the show and speak for themselves. So I emailed back and forth with one of the founders of the LGB Alliance, Bev. Okay, right, yes, we've got a response. Hi Lucy, thanks for contacting LGB Alliance. I'd be happy to do the interview if you could agree to a few more parameters. Okay, that's fine. Bev made some reasonable requests. She asked if there were other people going to be interviewed for her to know who they were and an outline of the questions before the interview. There was a lot of back and forth before the interview was supposed to happen. Rearranging of dates and times, plus more questions about the other interviewee. We eventually settled on a date for the interview. It was all lined up and I was gearing up for my conversation with the LGB Alliance about gender. Leading up to the day, I'd emailed back and forth just to make sure that we were still on. As the day came closer, I was starting to worry they were going to cancel. And as it turned out, my worries came true. I got an email back saying that they would no longer be able to do the interview. but not before they accidentally CC'd me into an email thread where they were bitching about me. <laughs> um, let's... <gasps> so I think I've been accidentally CC'd into an email thread talking about the interview that I wasn't meant to be in. Hi, given the asinine, asinine nature of these questions, do you think there's any point in my going ahead with the interview? Hmm. What does asinine mean? <laughs> oh, extremely foolish or stupid. <laughs> Love that for me. And the response after that was, so sorry for the comments below. My email is the end of an extremely taxing few days. I don't think that your questions are asked. Well, well, that's what you said. Forgive my momentary lapse of concentration and good manners. <laughs> oh, okay. All right then. Listener, 
I can empathise with an organisation's need for PR. I'm also self-aware enough to know that my questions could have been flawed, but I would have hoped that the LGB Alliance and I could have worked together to find some solution to make sure that both sides of the argument were upheld in this discourse. As for the LGB Alliance's momentary lapse of judgement, I offered them the right of reply via email. The following statement comes from Bev Jackson, the co-founder of the LGB Alliance. The LGB Alliance represents the interests of lesbians, bisexuals and gay men on the basis of sex, not gender identity. In order to make our position clear, we often have to explain the difference between sex and gender identity. Trans people have every right to organise to promote their interests. Their interests are also promoted by all LGBTQ groups. LGB Alliance is the only UK charity that focuses on supporting people with same-sex sexual orientation. A growing number of trans people who feel alienated by the misogynistic and homophobic rhetoric expressed supposedly in their name support LGB Alliance. We welcome them. So I'll take what the LGB Alliance say on face value. However, with organisations such as these, with influence in communities, I believe we should also judge them on their actions. As for their opinion on this topic, transphobia within the LGBT community, I guess we'll never know as they declined my offer for interview. However, if they're listening, my door's always open if you've changed your mind. Dear Curious Listener is a Duffy Makes Films production. I'd like to thank my interviewee, Anne Spank, for being on the show. Original score and music done by Rufus. <laughs> <laughs>